Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, but just um, give me a minute. I just want to talk to you for a minute. I, I hesitate when I talk about stuff in this way because some people think I'm, I'm suggesting I'm, I think I'm better than other people, and, and I don't. If anything, it probably makes me worse. My wife is on her way home today from her scans. She has stage 4 lung cancer. She takes a chemotherapy pill every day that keeps the tumors from growing. It's genetic. There's no cure. There's nothing we can do other than she takes this pill and maybe in taking this pill, which only works for two years, but she's been on it for five and a half and it's still working, um, maybe buying her time to um, get to the next pill. For a while there, mentally, we were wondering, will she make it until our daughter graduates from high school in 2024? And now we wait and wonder if, she can make it to our son graduating from high school. He's only in eighth grade. It's the sword of Damocles. You know the story, the the sword hung over the throne, hung by horsehair, and you wait to see if it'll fall. And it hasn't fallen yet, but it hangs. In 2016, many of my listeners, I think, are familiar with the story. I was having some struggles breathing, thought it was allergies, but it kept getting worse. I was rushed into a cardiac ICU unit. My lungs had a whole lot of blood clots in them. And while I was being rushed in and was given 24 hours to live, I mean, it really was a call your family moment. Um, it, it It was your family probably needs to come moment for me. And while that was happening... My wife is calling me. Uh, She had gone home to get the kids from school while I was just getting a CT scan when they realized what was happening. And the Mayo Clinic called her and said they thought she had this lung cancer. And she did. I was, before that moment, very much an online conservative activist. I can still be incendiary and trollish when I want, but I very much was before then. While all of that was happening in 2016, I couldn't bring myself at a a moral level to support President Trump for his first election. I just couldn't. It's not that I wanted Hillary to win. I I was rooting for injuries, honestly. I, I didn't want either of them to win. I thought the country was headed off a cliff if these two were the best this country could do. And I, I just said, I, I can't vote for either of these people. I just don't like them. I'm a conservative. I'm a Republican. I'm a Christian. I've always taken the position of uh, vote for the best conservative in the primary, vote for the Republican in the general. And here I am. And I just, I can't see myself voting for the guy in 2016. Uh, we had people show up at our home while well, we're going through all of this stuff. My wife being diagnosed with an incurable form of cancer, me being given 24 hours to live. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm recuperating. I'm out of the hospital We have people show up at our home to threaten us. My kids are bullied so bad at their school, our church's school. Uh, My daughter is regularly told by kids in her class because I took that position 
that she needed to commit suicide. I mean, literally kids in her class telling her to go kill herself because of my positions. My son shoved into the ground at school. We had to pack him up and move him to a different school. And, and to this day, feel like the administration at the school really just treated it as no big deal. My children were chased through a store by a man yelling at them that their father was destroying the country. And I was more than once yelled at in public by people who were mad at me. Literally had someone follow me. I, I tell the story. People think I'm making it up. It's, it's, it's actually true. I literally had someone follow me into the bathroom on multiple occasions at the airport to yell at me while I was standing at a urinal peeing. A captured audience. And it really made me think, you know, I agree with you guys about the state of the country and the politics. I just can't bring myself to pull the trigger on this. This was back in 2016. And I realized there's clearly some existential fear. And I, I really didn't think Trump could win, and he did. And that kind of resolved in my mind, you know, if he can still win, the system still works. And then, of course, he didn't win in 2020. We're back to, well, the election had to be stolen and on and on and on. And yet uh, in 2022, it, it, there's this Republican wave building. And I just really concluded and have ever since had it reaffirmed by the way people work, particularly on social media and online, that both sides in this country, it's not just the left, it's, it's the right and the left, are really spiritually broken as a people. Instead of putting our hope and our trust in a God, we've put our hope and trust in some politician. And every politician is going to disappoint you. And I look at my friends last night on social media, and they're like, oh, it's the end of the republic. It's the end of the republic. Uh, the, the, the Democrats, they've crossed the Rubicon. You know, Rome didn't fall because Caesar crossed the Rubicon. Rome was already collapsing. It was already a, a, a corrupt place uh, with an ineffective government. I mean, Julius Caesar just, I mean, he saw what was happening and, and took charge. He didn't cause it when he crossed the Rubicon. Uh, the point of no trade, there, there was already, before he crossed the Rubicon, someone was going to do it. He just happened to be the one who did it. But at this point in this country, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Both sides think we're at the end. The Republicans think we're at the end of the Republic. The Democrats think we're at the end of democracy. Um, and it just, it, it's, it's all kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think the country's over, you're going to act like the country's over. But, America has always been more than a physical land. It's always been an idea and an ideal. And you can disagree with other people. You can disagree with people on the left on, on the function of the ideal and the system and the way it works. But I just, I keep coming back to in this day and age, and I have ever since then when I was in the hospital, I didn't die. I was there for two weeks. My lungs have only cleared in the last year. But I just keep coming back to, particularly because I am a person of faith, and I try more and more. You know, I went to seminary. I went to seminary because I kept getting asked to preach places and, and thought it was really weird to get asked to preach, and I hadn't been to seminary. So I went to seminary, and it actually helped me realize how much I was twisting my faith to conform to my politics. And I think a lot more people do it than are willing to acknowledge that they conform their faith to their politics. You see it a lot these days on the right, I think. 
than to conform their their politics to their faith. There are a lot of people who are in despair, who think the end of the country has come, who seem hopeless and angry. How can you be angry when I've read the end of the book, you already win? I mean, you're, you're on the winning team, are you not? You've already won. Why can you be in such despair? Uh, have you made an idol? And I just, I come back again and again and again and again and again to the letter that Jeremiah wrote to the Jewish exiles who had been packed up by force and dragged off by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. Uh, The prophet Daniel actually is reading, and if you go to the book of Daniel, Daniel the prophet, who we know existed, he was a real person. Like history documents this guy existed. And he was reading the letter of Jeremiah, and we know this letter was real. We know this was written. And, And he says this is advice from God himself to the exiles, to the people displaced, to you. You who feel like the republic is at an end, you feel like it's displaced, you feel like the America today is not the America you grew up with. This letter is written to you too. Thus says the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. Let me just focus on that. To all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. If you think this country has come to an end, if you think the republic is at an end, guess what? It was God's will. You can't fight against it. You can rage all you want, but God's will be done, not yours. If it happened, if the country's fallen, if the republic is over and we don't realize it or recognize it, or some of you do, it was his will. So what does he tell you to do? Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. If the republic is at an end, it means Washington is at an end. If you don't live in Washington, why are you so obsessed with Washington? Seek the welfare of where you live. If you really think the country is going to hell in a handbasket, well, you need to focus on where you live immediately. If you're in Orlando, seek the welfare of Orlando. If you're in Jacksonville, seek the welfare of Jacksonville. If you're in Atlanta, Georgia, seek Atlanta, Georgia's welfare. If you're in um, Springfield, Illinois, Seek the welfare of Springfield, Illinois. Part of my problem is, and I realize this, having been in the hospital those weeks and seeing the reaction of people coming to my house, who I agreed with politically on 90% of stuff, and they were so angry with me, seeing the treatment my kids suffered because people at our church's school were so angry with me, it made me realize so many people really have made politics an idol, and they can't even recognize it, and they really are in despair. There are a lot of people on the left and the right in despair. They hate each other. They don't know each other. They have nothing in common with each other. They don't break bread with each other, and they're all obsessed about Washington, D.C. Seek the welfare of the city in which you're in exile, and that word city does not mean nation, does not mean nation. It actually means city. It means general geographic area to which you reside. Maybe state, but definitely not nation. 
province, state, county, city. It means your city. It means your county. Seek your welfare there. Listen, if the nation is going to hell in a handbasket, there's really nothing you can do with it. God's will be done. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of the Lord stands forever. You cannot stop him from doing what he wants to do. If you think that God's judgment is upon the country, if you think we're going to hell in a handbasket, seek the welfare of the city in which you live because there you're going to find your welfare. Washington's not going to save you. Washington can't save itself. Washington can't fight inflation. Washington doesn't know what it's doing. It only makes problems worse. You and your family together will take care of your family and friends. Be as generous as you can to the people in your area. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do to people what you want them to do to you, whether or not they reciprocate. These are not just the words of God. It's a lot of wisdom for how to live your life in a world that seems like it's gone chaotic. It's a lot of wisdom for a world where everybody seems to hate each other. Try not to be the person in despair and get off social media. The level of performance of friends of mine on social media over the last 24 hours who feel like they have to rip their shirt and pound their chest and wail in some sort of performance uh, to perform for their guy is just really embarrassing. The world is not going to end tomorrow, and frankly, neither is this nation, and I really don't think we're at the end of the republic. I just think we're at a new point of hysteria for a lot of people. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, and a lot of the people who are fulfilling the prophecies they themselves are creating for the end of the republic would be better off getting offline and focusing on the homeless guy down the street, focusing on funding the battered women's shelter in their neighborhood, focusing on stockpiling the food bank because they got good income with their performances on Twitter, having people throw money at them, all the grifters. Go stock your local food bank and help people fill up their gas tanks in your local community. Stop performing on social media. Stop focusing on Washington, D.C., actually seek the welfare of the city in which you live. Because if I'm wrong and you're right and the republic has come to an end, Washington is definitely not coming to save you. But there are people in your neighborhood, in your city, who could use your help, who would have your back, who may not see the world the same way you do. But you got to get to know them and them to know you instead of performing for a national crowd on social media. Seek the welfare of the city you live. Calm down. God's still on the throne. I've read the end of the book. We still win. This too passes. That never does. This other program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, if you want your business to grow, they can help you. If you need access to big loans like $750,000 or more, reach out to First Liberty. Tell them I sent you. They can help your business nationwide. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Home inventory uh, has soared at a record rate. Uh, Remember just a few months ago, buyers in this country were snapping up houses so fast. We got an offer on our house well above uh, the value of our house. I mean, it was it was like $600,000 was the last one I got. I'd gotten several of these. Uh, all of them were, a, I mean, I, I don't live in a house that expensive, y'all. I, I do not live in a house that expensive. And yet that was the offer on the house. It was absurd. Uh, the prices for houses going up. And we didn't, I mean, I should have taken it because I don't know that our house is really worth half that. Uh, and yet that's what they were after uh, with other houses in our neighborhood. And it probably would have been one of those things that I take them up on the offer. They would have done the assessment. Said, eh, bad. No. Um, but nonetheless, I couldn't even take them up on the offer. There was literally not a place for us to be able to go. Uh, we would not have been able to find a new place. 
Well, now the supply of homes for sale across the nation has grown at a record rate. Uh, Another sign, higher mortgage costs are cooling down the housing market. The number of active listings nationwide jumped 31% from a year earlier, a record high increase for a third straight month. The Federal Reserve's effort to curb inflation by raising benchmark interest rates has put the brakes on the pandemic housing freeze. Now, I've heard a number of people say don't expect housing prices to fall. I don't know that I agree with that. And listen, I'm not an expert in this. But if you go back to 2008, 2009, where interest rates had been, and you didn't see a decline in really the demand for houses, and you didn't see a value, well, interest rates were going down, which actually made it easier to buy a more expensive home. Well, interest rates are going up now, so mortgage rates are going up now. Uh, and and there, well, you've now got this glut of houses. I think prices have to come down a little bit. I just don't see it. You know, I, I one day I, I want to get a nice, good deal for national radio syndication uh, and, and have enough money that I could buy a house on the beach in Hilton Head or, or one up in the mountains. And I just keep my eye on the properties in those areas because uh, one day I hope one will become available. I love to go to the beach at Hilton Head. It's one of the places I go and relax. And I've just I, I've mentioned before, I just kind of keep the tracker of all the houses for sale. And for a time during the pandemic, like all the houses, Lake Burton up in North Georgia, uh, down in Hilton had all the houses gone, nothing for sale. And then slowly some would come up and they would just, I mean, as soon as it came for sale, like 48 hours later, it's gone. And now I'm starting to see houses coming for sale and they're staying for two weeks, for three weeks, for a month. Uh, And I'm starting to see houses come up for sale along the beach again where they were all gone for time. And this is the time of year people start divesting their properties and stuff. But I also think there are people who, because of interest rates and inflation and and economic concerns and retirees, that you're going to see even more properties come up for sale and people aren't going to snap them up as quickly. And so prices are going to start trending down again. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm not. But intuitively, that seems to make sense to me as interest rates now are starting to go up. Uh, mortgage rates become more expensive. This is the uh, steepest decline in mortgage demand we've seen since the 2008 financial crisis. I, I'm i wondering what's happening. And you know, a lot of people who have a lot of equity tied up in their houses, if the value of your house goes down, your equity goes down. And that in and of itself is also a problem. So keep that in mind. When we come back, the Democrats suddenly have hope. Just remember, it's the hope that kills you. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson. The phone lines are open. I will take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. Well, when you've lost Andrew Cuomo, he's tweeted out, uh, the Department of Justice must immediately explain the reason for its raid, and it must be more than a search for inconsequential archives, or it will be viewed as a political tactic and undermine any future credible investigation and legitimacy of the January 6th investigations. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. While my call screener is talking to you guys uh, and sorting through phone calls and picking and choosing who he wants to allow on, you can try. You should. He's eased up in his old age. 877-973-7425. I want to talk about this article in the New York Times. I I love uh, the headline. With deal in hand, Democrats enter the fall armed with something new. Hope. (laughs) 
Uh, if you've watched the TV show Ted Lasso, you will be familiar with the phrase from British football, soccer, it's the hope that kills you. Vulnerable incumbent Democratic senators like Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire are holding events promoting the landmark legislation they passed over the weekend. Democratic ad makers are busily preparing a barrage of commercials about it across key battlegrounds, and the White House is set to deploy cabinet members on a nationwide sales pitch. The sweeping legislation covering climate change and prescription drug prices, which came together in the Senate after more than a year of painfully public fits and starts, has kicked off a frenetic 91-day sprint to sell the package by November and win over an electorate that has grown skeptical of Democratic rule. For months, Democrats have discussed their midterm anxieties in near apoplectic terms as voters threaten to take out their anger over high gas prices and soaring inflation on the party in power. But the deal on the broad new legislation, along with signs of a brewing voter revolt over abortion rights, has some Democrats experiencing a flicker of an unfamiliar feeling. Hope. Now, I want to go back to a key paragraph here. We are now in the second paragraph of the story. The sweeping legislation covering climate change and prescription drug benefits. What about inflation? Uh, It's called the Inflation Reduction Act. You've got Bernie Sanders out there saying it's not actually going to do anything for inflation. I mean, this is Bernie Sanders saying the truth of the matter. I want to take a moment to say a few words about the so-called Inflation Reduction Act that we are debating uh, this evening. And I say so-called, by the way, because according to the CBO and other economic organizations that have studied this bill, it will, in fact, have a minimal impact on inflation. And that's the crazy thing here is the number one issue in America right now is inflation. And they can't even bring themselves to broadcast inflation. This is Harry... uh, uh, at um, CNN, listen to this. We also got this big inflation report out on Wednesday, the CPI report. The good news is that the expectation from economists is that it's going to show a cooling off. Consumer prices expected to be up 8.7% year over year. I think the bad news is that is still really high. It would be down just a touch from that 40-year high of 9.1% in July. It's kind of like, I don't know, being in a 100-degree heat wave and then it goes down to 95 degrees, it's yeah. still... Hot. It's still pretty hot, but listen, this is a big deal. I mean, inflation is the biggest problem in the economy, and we're all searching for signs that maybe, maybe the worst is behind us. Um, but it won't be because of the Inflation Reduction Act. Here's uh, the CNBC, the host and the guest. Listen, obviously, we talk a lot about the Federal Reserve, and this is a political story, but it's called the Inflation Reduction Act. It was called Build Back Better. Obviously, that didn't work, so they tweaked it and changed some things in it. Is there anything that, that you see that will actually reduce inflation any time in the next couple of years? I don't, I don't, and even some of the government scoring agencies don't. No, I don't see anything that will reduce the inflation rate. There are some things that might produce, reduce res- prescription drug prices and maybe a couple of other things here or there that'll be good for those people that rely on it. 
But will that bring down CPI? Will that bring down core CPI to a point where we could actually start to price that in? No, I don't think so. Uh, wasn't that the whole point of the legislation? I mean, this is Frank Luntz and, and his panel. I, I played this audio yesterday. It's important to play it again. Listen to this. What about you? Where do you see things now compared to where they were three or four months ago? Well, the public is even angrier today than they were three or four months ago, more divided, more hostile towards Washington. And that's never good for any incumbent. But what has not gone away is, and we call it inflation. That's an economic term. It's affordability. Can I afford that extra package of meat? Can I afford to fill up my car? And our polling shows that one out of five Americans, literally, when they reach the cash register, have to return food because they can't afford the total bill. One out of two can't fill up their gas tank. That issue of affordability, prices, costs, is the number one issue. One out of two can't fill up their gas tank and one out of five have to return stuff at the grocery store because they can't afford to pay their bills. And the Democrats just passed something they call the Inflation Reduction Act, and everyone's talking about it as a climate change bill. They're talking about it as a, as a Medicare prescription drug bill. They're not talking about inflation. They're all acknowledging that it won't actually help. This is really a problem for the Democrats. Suddenly they have hope. Listen, the reason Democrats have hope is that in the past two weeks, there have been a series of headlines about the great big wins that Joe Biden has gotten. They're all kind of emboldened by the Kansas vote on abortion. That plays into it. It gave them a level of optimism. Uh, The reality is Joe Biden's popularity is around 39%. The gravity of his polling is going to pull down Democrats the closer you get. The Democrats are seeing a rebounding in polling right now, but it's the traditional rebound Democrats see at this time of year. It's not going to last. It's the hope that kills them. For all of these Democrats to say they suddenly have hope, they suddenly have hope. Uh, What is your hope on? Uh, By the way, you can't even talk about it today because the FBI has sucked all the oxygen out of the room. You got to talk about the FBI and Donald Trump. You can't talk about the hope of your legislation that's passing. And what do you talk about? Do you talk about the 87,000 IRS agents coming after the middle class now? You certainly don't talk about that. That's what the Republicans will focus on. The Republicans will focus on calling it the Inflation Reduction Act, and no one believes it's going to reduce inflation. They will play the Bernie Sanders clip over and over and over and over. You think there's hope? It's the hope that's going to kill you, people. You're going to be crushed at the ballot box. Because you can't get your messaging straight. And I guarantee to you, people, that before this is over, the Democrats are going to be running for the hills screaming, the message, the message, we can't get on the message, the message is the problem. No, the message isn't the problem. It's that you've done nothing to solve the problem you created. In fact, you've made it worse by spending even more money. The very thing you shouldn't have done, you did. You can call it an Inflation Reduction Act, but even you don't believe it. That's the problem. You may have hope now. It won't last. Now, let's get to the phones. All right, I got to read this note. This is important. Gail, I'm going to come to your phone call, and I wish you to know how the call screener has documented your phone call. Normally, I get the name of someone calling and what they want to talk about. Here's what I get. Gail just wants to thank you. This is your once-a-year compliment. Enjoy. Won't let anyone else come on to say nice things about you. 
And I made up that last bit, but it's implied. Once a year, my call screener allows someone to say something nice to me and no one else is allowed to. And I don't know what I ever did to him other than pay him a salary. Nonetheless, Gail, you get to say something nice about me. Thank you for making it through past the jerk. <laughs> Am I Welcome. All, are you ready for me? I am ready for you, Gail. Well, I just wanted to say to you, because I talk to friends and neighbors, and everybody is so distressed over the, the state of our country right now and the state of the political scenario. I am Christian. I am conservative. I think what you just said a minute ago makes me aware that I am maybe too focused on politics. Just what you're saying hasn't become an idol. And I, I want to tell you that I was widowed 15 years ago, and it helps to have you. I listen to you all the time I can. I am sorry. I probably don't pray for you and your wife as much as I should. But oh, okay. it helps me. It reinforces and encourages me to stay hopeful that I am hopeful because I know this is all in God's control. And I want to tell you how much, how very moved I was earlier when you were talking. Well, Gail, first of all, I, I really do appreciate it. And, and I, you know, I, I, I try to be careful because I never want to sound really preachy, but I, I do sometimes think we all risk making idols of our politics and uh, so many of my my personal real friends have some sort of existential dread about where the country is right now. And all I can do is just remind people God's sovereign. He's on the throne. Um, not a hair falls from your head without him sanctioning it. So um, don't be afraid. And, and I have to tell myself that sometimes because I get worried about it too, having kids and the existential dread of, of, my wife's cancer and, and all that. And so I, 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 I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you guys when I say these things, but I sure appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much. I appreciate it so much. And thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, one more comment on that before I get to another call. I really, please do understand many times these things that I say there, I'm, I'm talking to myself out loud more than I am to you because there are times I despair. So I, I totally, totally understand the frustration. I won't read the text message, but I, I had a, I had a friend this morning text me who really does think this is the whole crossing the Rubicon into the Republic. There's no going back. It's uh, we'll be in the streets fighting momentarily. No, we're not. I have a hard time. I know I know people who are deeply partisan and and deeply committed to partisanship believe that, and and that's why I think we've reached a point where almost the the partisanship in the country on both sides is really unhealthy, uh, because we're so fixated on what's happening in Washington, we've lost the ability to focus on what's happening in our backyard. And when you lose that perspective, when you lose, listen, particularly if you're a conservative, you're supposed to be locally focused. And we're all focused on Washington these days. And there are people who think we have to be absolutely focused on Washington, but you've got to be able to multitask. I'm not saying Washington is, is can affect you, cannot affect you, I, but I am saying that um, your local school board affects your kids way more than Washington does. And I am saying you can meaningfully impact someone's life. And let me just go to the worst case scenario bit here. 
let's say I'm wrong and everyone who thinks this country is, is has collapsed is right. When you hear the histories of wars, you always find that there were, on the bad guy side, the people in towns who took up for the good guys, who who rescued people. You, you hear about the, the, the Germans who rescued Jews who otherwise would have died in World War II. You, you hear about, I, I heard the story the other day of a, a, during World War II, a Belarusian who took in a Ukrainian that the Nazis were hunting. Or the Japanese citizen who hid someone from China during World War II. And you hear these stories all the time. And, and what do they have in common? They're local communities where local people who knew each other and loved each other. It transcended uh, the geographical, demographic, partisan, geopolitical lines because local communities, you know your neighbor. And, and your neighbors, you tend to get along with each other. And so if the country is really gone, well, then you need to be pouring your heart and your resources and your energies into your local community and building the trust of those immediately around you who, when bad times come, will take care of you and you take care of them. Seek the welfare of the city in which you're in exile. Stop making an idol of politics. If you live in constant anxiety and anger and existential dread about the state of Washington, I would submit to you, you've made politics an idol. And you probably need to get offline and turn off the news and go into your community and find a homeless shelter or a food bank or a soup kitchen and pour your heart and energy into that and see humanity where it exists in your community and watch the help of neighbors showing up to deliver goods and groceries and serve the poor and realize there are a lot of good people out there. And then you get home and you look at your 401k and you're a little bit stressed out again. And I totally get that. I do with the financial situation in the country right now. You may, if you're interested in precious metals and learning how to use them in your um, accounts, you may want to reach out to my friends at GoldCo to see about protecting your retirement savings and easing the ebbs and flows of of the stock market and, and, well, everything that's happening out there. You can call GoldCo at 855-904-5933. You'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at GoldCo. Find out how you qualify for their special offer, 855-904-5933. You can also call them by texting Eric. I know it sounds a little odd. Call them by texting, but I'll send you back their number. Some of you aren't where you can write down. You don't have a pin. You can't write their 800 number down. So just text the word Eric. This is easy to remember. Text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, and I will text you back their toll-free number. You can call them, tell them I sent you, see if they're a good fit for you, you for them. Learn how to use gold and silver for your retirement portfolio. Well, uh, you know, I told you guys the other day, and I need to address these concerns um, about Nancy Pelosi and her position on China. Sorry, sneezing fit. Um, So Pelosi was on television earlier today, and she was praising China. Now, I've told you in the past, uh, the reason I didn't want to criticize her with Taiwan is because she has been, Republican and Democrat alike, one of the leading advocates uh, for um, Taiwan. In fact, 
After the Tiananmen Square incident, uh, Nancy Pelosi went to China with a bipartisan delegation and unfurled a flag that was pro-protester. The Chinese were offended and put her on a plane back to the United States. She's been pretty staunchly uh, against China for years. She was the person who encouraged uh, and uh, Newt Gingrich to go when he was Speaker of the House to Taiwan. And now she's gone to Taiwan. But uh, this is what she said on television earlier. We still support the one China policy. We go there to acknowledge the status quo is what our policy is. There was nothing disruptive about that. It was only about saying China is one of the freest societies in the world. Don't take it from me. That's from Freedom House. Let's it's talk a, a little bit. democracy, yeah. courageous people. And, and it's it just, I don't know why it is, uh, except there's some commercial interest who would like to diminish uh, the relationship. So uh, China is one of the freest, strongest democracies, et cetera. Um, this is being exerted by a lot of people, but she did clarify later. She actually meant Taiwan. She was talking about Taiwan, uh, but saying one China policy, she then said China. And I look, I, I get taking people out of context. This is why I play longer clips here. Uh, usually this one's being circulated around, but she was talking about Taiwan, not China. I'm not going to listen. Maybe she's got financial interest in Taiwan, but indisputably a anti-China um, stood up for the Tiananmen protesters in Tiananmen Square, encouraged Newt Gingrich to go to Taiwan. I'm, I'm just not going to attack her. There's plenty of stuff to go after Nancy Pelosi on without being dishonest and taking her out of context to drag her. There's plenty to drag her on without that. 